Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Wellness at the Speed of Light studio. I'm Dr. Stefano Sinecropi. I'm an orthopedic spine surgeon by trade, but about two years ago, I decided to go down the rabbit hole of the uh, wellness world and have become so passionate about wellness and thinking about wellness modalities and making our uh, patients better metabolically, trying to get the message out there into how important it is for us really to take care of ourselves and take care of each other and think about things that are scientifically uh, proven uh, to help us function better, get better, and live uh, better lives. I'm so happy to have Dr. Uh, Nick Meyer, who is an orthopedic colleague who has gone down the uh, road of uh, wellness, has his own cookbook, has his own diet plan, and is going to educate us today on the obesity crisis in America and how we can take some simple steps to try to uh, mitigate this uh, uh, crisis and just help people to live a happier and healthier lives. So hopefully you join me today on the journey and join me on uh, future journeys uh, as uh, we dive into everything wellness. I welcome everyone uh, to the uh, Wellness at the Speed of Light uh, podcast. Uh, we are thrilled today uh, to have uh, Dr. Nick Meyer, who is uh, an orthopedic surgery colleague, currently at uh, Twin City Orthopedics, uh, trained at the University of uh, Minnesota and then off to Medical College of uh, Wisconsin uh, for residency, and then back for uh, a, a fellowship training uh, at the uh, University of uh, Minnesota as well. And he's uh, a subspecialized in uh, sports uh, uh, medicine and hand surgery. And uh, we are so thrilled to have him today. And uh, the topics we're going to be talking about are, are near and dear to my heart. And thanks for coming on. Everything I'm on this show is going to be somehow related to wellness. And there could be no more relevant topic today than what's going on uh, with the obesity crisis and um, the difficulty we have as physicians uh, getting people on um, healthy lifestyles and diets that work and that can make lights uh, altering changes for them. And Dr. Meyer, uh, one of the reasons I'm really happy to have him on is because yeah, he's written a, a um, an amazing book uh, called uh, The uh, Proportion, Fit, uh, Diet, and Health Plan. Uh, and this is the uh, second uh, iteration of uh, this. Uh, he has uh, great research uh, behind uh, this uh, this diet plan. Um, it's something that I, I think our listeners are going to be uh, uh, very uh, interested in, uh, in hearing about. But before we get into uh, all of that, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, uh, yourself uh, why you decided to go into the orthopedic uh, uh, surgery uh, 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 realm and uh, uh, anything else you'd like to start with. Sir, well, I appreciate that introduction. Thanks for having me. It's uh, great to be here. So um, I grew up in White Bear Lake uh, in Minnesota here, and uh, my sister went to medical school, became a pediatrician. And so when I was uh, in college, she was a few years ahead of me at uh, I thought out of high school, I was going to become an engineer and liked tinkering with things and fixing things, stuff like that. So I thought engineering would be a good way to go. And then uh, seeing my sister going to medical school sort of inspired me to think about doing that. That's what I did. And then orthopedics seemed to be the great combination of uh, fixing patients uh, and dealing hopefully with a, with a relatively healthy population. So it really uh, inspired me to to go into that field and upper extremity surgery became my subspecialty just because I enjoyed the anatomy and did research uh, during medical school and, and again I was sort of inspired to that uh, that area so I really enjoyed that part of it but then I've seen 
uh, through personal experience, my own uh, issues with uh, weight gain and seeing my dad uh, live a life of being a bit overweight and, and suffering the consequences of that, then seeing patients who unfortunately are overweight and suffering the consequences of that uh, because it affects so many things from orthopedic conditions to diabetes to just metabolic conditions and wound healing, whatever. So many patients and just people in general are suffering from obesity that I thought, hey, it'd be nice to to figure out a way to help the population uh, get healthier. And so that's what sort of got me into that path of writing a book and coming up with this concept that surprisingly hadn't been uh, sort of described before because it's a fairly simple concept. Uh, we're at a high-tech age, and my my concept is decidedly and, and definitely low-tech in a way, but I think that's good because I think we're resorting to too many high-tech medications that have a long laundry list of side effects and potential uh, downsides uh, as well as expense uh, that we can really easily avoid if we just get healthier and, and losing weight is such a such an easy part of it and such a prevalent part that people are obese, overweight, and that number just keeps on getting worse despite the number of medications we have on the market, the, uh, the times we talk about it. Numbers are getting worse, not better. I can completely understand you when you talk about something that's simple. You know, and it's just some of the, you know, the things that, that I try to do with my patients. Sometimes when you, you know, talk about things that are simple, there's a lot of skepticism. They're like, something can't really be, you know, that easy. I have to go down this other road. I need this prescription. I need this. I saw this commercial. I'm going to go, you know, this direction. And you just tell them, hey, if you eat like this, here are you going to be, you know, your results, the amount of weight you lose. So sometimes it's even harder, you know, to con almost, I don't want to say convince, but, but just try to get patients or people or friends and family in that mindset that something simple, you know, can be that effective. Do you remember kind of when that like aha moment was where you just said, you know what, I'm just going to write a book. To a degree, yeah. So I remember looking at the scale and uh, my weight was creeping up and my, you know, I was pushing about 40. Uh, I saw my weight was creeping up, creeping up. And I decided, you know, this is, uh, this is not something I want to deal with for the rest of my life and I need to do something. So I researched a lot of different diets and looked at things. Uh, I think at the time, South Beach diet was a, was a pretty prevalent. And so I, I researched a lot of different things. And, and when it came down to it, I realized it's the calories in, calories out really is what dictates things. And, uh, and then I realized too that counting calories is just incredibly difficult to actually do uh, on a regular basis unless you're eating processed foods and you're just reading stuff that's been packaged. Uh, fun fact is that the FDA requires the the calorie counts of that to be plus or minus about 20%. And so when you're reading packaging, uh, it's, it's not necessarily all that accurate as far as the calorie counts are. But anyways, I researched this and, and I, you know, you saw it People talking about, you know, a handful of, you know, that should be your portion or the size of your fist and things like that. But nobody really quantified, okay, how many of those portions do I get? And so, uh, again, I'm a simple, simple man, a simple orthopedic surgeon. Uh, and so I figured there must be an easier way to quantify how much you're eating. And so I came up with a volume concept that uh, had never really been described uh, the way we came up with it. And I use it for myself. Um had a lot of success so we started with the first sort of iteration of the book and then uh did it on just sort of informal trials and had a lot of success and then just recently we figured we did an irb approved study that was much more formal and, and uh and great results with that. 
So I think I think the next question before we really dive kind of deep into the, just the obesity crisis, not just in you know America, but just in the West and in, ge- in general, um, you know, my my question to you is, uh, you know, I've been very very frustrated in the way that kind of our general medical industrial complex looks at people that are coming in and has these, you know, that that have major medical problems, which is sort of becoming almost everyone, unfortunately. People have stuff. I always just say, well, I know you have stuff. My family members have stuff. Again, using kind of simplistic uh, terms. Uh, and I've been super frustrated, which is why I'm, you know, diving so, you know, far down the rabbit hole of, of wellness and trying to help people that way. Uh, can you describe kind of what level of frustration you have where everything has to be, and we're proceduralists, and for the right things, it's great, but everything doesn't necessarily have to be medications and interventional and surgery and all these other things that obviously we are we are trained on. Specifically speaking to obesity, it's such a prevalent thing, and it, it's so frustrating to see patients uh, sitting across from them at the clinic and, uh, and talking to them about their problems. You know, fortunately, with what I do, mostly upper extremity surgery, it's not as affected by obesity as is the low back, as is the lower extremities uh, that wear out. Um, but I see it often, and, and to me, it's such a simple fix that the first thing that should be done is get people to the right weight. You know, if, if you can get people the right weight, hormonal changes occur, less stress on the joints, uh, insulin uh, becomes more, you become more responsive. So there's so many things that are corrected by just getting your weight right, uh, that that should be number one, the first thing that people do. And that's, and that's what I wanted to come up with the concept too, that not only help people lose weight, but also help to help hopefully prevent obesity in the first place, you know, teach people to eat right on the outset. Uh, because one of my uh, frustrations too is, you know, when you if you think about it, if if a kid goes through line at uh, at school uh, and goes through the lunch line and gets uh, food slopped on their plate, uh, the eighty pound kid is getting the same amount as the two hundred pound kid that's in line. Two completely different human beings that have two completely different amounts of food that they need uh, to get through their day, and yet they're being fed the same amount, and so. The idea of just using volume as a, as a concept to help people lose weight is really what prompted me to think, you know, there, there's got to be a simpler way. And and people don't focus on getting their weight down and getting back to healthy. Uh, it's so much easier to take a pill than to actually make changes in yourself. Uh, I saw a recent uh, post and someone talking about uh, just discipline, you know, actually being disciplined about what you do. And, and, and I think that's a common problem in our society right now is that people don't want to have discipline. They just want a quick fix. If they can avoid um, actually making changes to their lifestyle, just get a, a quick fix. That's what they want. And, and then doctors are you know, more prone to just write the prescription. It's a lot easier for them too. you know, write a prescription, send them, send the patient on their way uh, than to actually counsel them or to do some hard work or to try to uh, to to go into that area to talk about obesity and being overweight because it's a touchy subject. When I talk about it with my patients, I usually lead with, I know this is nobody's favorite subject to talk about, but you know, weight gain and excess weight can be a real problem. You you start out with that, yeah, everyone's sort of on the same page, and I think they understand that you're you're coming from an empathetic point of view, and you're really trying to help them. I think, and 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 patients are receptive to it when you talk to them. I think that the the big thing that kind of drew me into this, just like you said, is just having 
so many people sitting across from me. Now, obviously, it affects even some of the stuff that I do, you know, even more low back pain is obviously associated with, you know, being overweight and some of these other things. But the, the big thing that really is, is very interesting is when people become obese, they're having so much metabolic dysfunction. And metabolic dysfunction is just, it, it's, it's a disaster, you know, for the body. So for what we do as orthopedic surgeons, metabolic dysfunction, right? It leads to faster arthritic changes. It, leads, it just leads to pain in general. And it's very difficult. They're not functioning well. They're becoming diabetic. They have like all kinds of crazy insulin things going on, right? They're more likely to have infection after surgery or just not heal well in, in general. It's a disaster. So over the years in my career, constantly seeing patients, you know, sitting across from me, my thought has always been, I cannot believe how sick people are at this age, right? 35-year-olds coming in with a list of 10 medications. To me, I started looking at that and it's, and it's, it's ludicrous. Yeah, I kind of look at their medications and then I just say, how did you get on this many medications at your age or whatever's going on? And then talk about some of that stuff and how metabolic dysfunction can kind of play into kind of the, their stuff and then get into the whole kind of weight situation and how we handle it. And what I've been shocked, and I know we're going to get into this more, is that when you ask them what others have made recommendations for them to do, the vast majority of them have not had a recommendation or they're told, hey, just eat less. That's not a plan. There, there, there's really not a plan in place. I mean, very few of them have seen nutritionists or people like yourself or things like that. Again, it's hard to say it this way, but it's it's simple, but it's not easy. I mean, there's just steps you can take, and and in your diet, you know, plan, which you know, I've I've really like gone through. And thanks for you know giving me all the information on it. I mean, it's it's so it's such an easy way to at least get going and then you can start adding other things based on it but you want to do the simple stuff first our patients don't even do the they don't even do the simple stuff do anything you can't you can't say hey go you know go row for two hours if you know if, if they're eating you know doritos at six o'clock in the morning you know for breakfast with a donut washing it down with a donut you know that doesn't that doesn't work you know the other thing that i'd like you to touch on and you know i don't want to jump around too much as you talked about the cafeteria line at school and one of the issues with just pediatric obesity, right, which we'll touch on a little bit later too, is one of the things with pediatric obesity is it's very difficult to change them when they're in such a toxic environment. And then mom and dad take them to the grocery store, right? And at least, you're, and if you're not on the edges of the store, right, if you're in the middle of the store, that cannot be the mainstay, you know, diet, and it is the American diet, and it's a complete, you know, it's a complete disaster. So do you want to touch on how toxic the environment is just in America, but just like specifically in schools? There's a lot of lip service done to try to make uh, school food more uh, healthy uh, and, and better. But, you know, I hammer home the, the, this concept of quality and quantity. You know, quantity is very important. Uh, quantity is incredibly important. That's the cup concept, but quality is highly, is very important too. You can't have one or the other. You really need to have both. And so um, more, you know, whole foods, uh, non-processed foods, you know, things with lower sugar you know, are so important and sugar is so pervasive in our uh, current uh, diets. If you turn the clock back 50 years or 100 years and you say, okay, how were those people doing from an obesity standpoint? You say they were doing pretty darn well. Right. And life was simpler back then. And there weren't any 
uh, GLP-1 medications. There weren't other, uh, you know, interventions that were necessary. People got it right back then, and there's no reason for us to get it wrong now other than a combination of just bad food that we have all around us, uh, high sugar content, uh, things that are so um, easy to consume in large quantities because scientists have figured out how to stimulate us to, to just eat, 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 and that sells more product. So we're trying to educate people to counter that and try to try to reverse that tide because we can't necessarily change the entire uh, food uh, market and, and what's out there. Uh, so we can educate people and try to have them navigate that appropriately uh, because it is a minefield uh, all around us, bad foods. And uh, bad behavior, bad uh, social sort of cues and social acceptance towards obesity and things like that. And and I'm not here to fat shame anyone, but at the same time, uh, there's not an individual on this earth that is healthier when they're obese or overweight uh, than they would be if they're at a normal or, or less overweight state. In some ways, the wool has been pulled over our eyes a little bit with what's healthy and what's not healthy and the level of misinformation that's out there. You know, if we as physicians don't start really calling this stuff out and kind of feed into it, I think we do have somewhat of a responsibility to say, man, we're going down a really bad path. And again, what you said, it's not because we're trying to say, hey, you're overweight, there's something. It's not that. It's that they can't live their best lives because they don't feel well and they need all these medications to keep them going. And again, the diabetes, we can go on and on, right? The kidney problems, all these other things that come, you know, with, 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 with some of these things. But, you know, I always tell my patients, you know, cause sometimes they're disappointed, right? Because they come to my visit, they think they're going to talk to me about spine surgery the whole time. And the whole entire, like literally the entire discussions about wellness, because to me, I'm seeing an emergency in front of me. And so I just say to them, I say, I- I'm not, I'm not talking to you about this just because I'm not, I'm definitely not here to lecture you because I can tell you, I can give them a long list of so many people in my family that have struggled with obesity and every other, you know, possible thing. Um, But it's just about when we look at these people, look at all the drugs they're on, look at, you know, kind of what their, you know, struggles are with obesity and food in general and just, just stuff. The question is, is this the life that you want to lead? Like you envision being sick on 10 medications, whatever, and you're 40. And, you know, once they see that we care, then they start opening up and say, I really struggled. You know, sometimes you get, you know, people, it, it just, everyone responds differently. But I, I, honestly, people are pretty positive about it if they know that, you know, you care and, you, and you're trying to help them. So, I mean, I, I think what you're doing is great. And again, I just want to reiterate having another guy that, you know, is an orthopedic surgeon, we don't, we don't have much of this, right? How many of your colleagues are legitimately sitting around talking about like special diets and other things? I think this is a, a good segue into kind of just letting everybody know, like how big is this obesity pro- you know, problem? How big is this crisis? We've got a 40 to 45% obesity rate. 70% of people are either overweight or obese, you know, in America. And it's, that's, those numbers are just continuing to tick up over time. And so that leads to, you know, billions of dollars uh, of expense in the healthcare system, as well as just uh, other health consequences of absenteeism at work and, and just lack of productivity because of side effects of being obese and being unhealthy. So you know, one of the benefits that you and I have have, I didn't realize getting into this work is the, the fact that you get to see so many people, uh, learn from so many people and see people at different stages in their life, you know, from, from pediatrics to elderly and, and 
And one of the things that struck me, as I mentioned, my my dad, he wasn't morbidly obese, but he was he was overweight and unfortunately dealt with the consequences of that. He's passed away 12 so years ago. But what I see is I see patients who are very, very old and can't get around. And I see how hard it is for them to, to deal with that. Uh, you know, you don't want to think about end of life, but you know, whether you're 50 or 60 or 70 or 80, whatever it is, you want to live the best life possible that you have. And then number two, you don't want to be a burden on your loved ones either, you know? And so one of my missions in life is to, you know, be as little of a burden to my wife. She would argue that I'm a huge burden probably, but if she should have to care for me, that I don't make it extremely challenging for her uh, to do that or for my family. And so I think uh, not only do you owe it to yourself to to get yourself as healthy as possible, but I think you owe it to the people around you uh, to do that. Uh, because like I said, we, you and I have the privilege of seeing people all stages of life and, uh, and sort of just being a, a bystander or a observer to that. And it helps you to really reflect and think about things that most people you wouldn't think about. I'm trying to find different ways to motivate people that, uh, to, to lose weight and to get to a healthy weight and to improve their health and, and really, you know, make those changes. Before we, we dive into the, the pharmacology of some of the newer medications, which is really the hot topic, what is your thought um, on uh, the use of uh, bariatric surgery uh, for um, managing yeah, I, th- patients. I think bariatric surgery, you know, probably has a role. I think it should be obviously a last resort. I think you want to... Uh, you know, use that when you've tried other, you know, simple interventions, you've probably tried some medical interventions, bariatric surgery, whether it's a lap band where you just try to, to reduce the volume of the, the stomach or you're actually resecting portions of the stomach and the, the gastrointestinal tract. In my opinion, uh, people should try simple interventions, uh, like just trying to eat less, count calories, whatever they can. If that doesn't work, then they should go to a more structured system like we do out, you know, something that really makes it very explicit so people can figure out, okay, if I do this, I'll lose weight. And the good news is, honestly, nothing's foolproof, but honestly, this is relatively foolproof in that if you follow the system, you will lose weight. And then it helps you not just to lose weight, but then maintain a healthy weight. If that fails for some reason, then then some medications, the GLP-1 medications or something might be appropriate at that point. And then if that doesn't work, you know, then maybe surgery. So to me, that's sort of the algorithm where you go from simple to a little bit more complex, more intervention, more expense. You know, the the way we've sort of packaged our our system too, it's it's sort of the non-surgical uh, uh, gastric bypass. You know, we've we've taught people to eat as if they've had a gastric bypass surgery, without having had the gastric bypass surgery. Because I had I had a patient um, who went through a surgery, about lost weight with it, regained some of it, but um, you know, had a relatively successful surgery, but then after talking to her about our system, she made the comment, she said, that's what I do. I have to eat, you know, quantities that are, are more, you know, smaller quantities. I can only eat so much during the day. And that's why they maintain the weight loss. Ultimately, it's not because of the, the surgery. It's just that the surgery forces them to adhere to a certain quantity of food. And so if we can just skip the surgery and have people adhere to that certain quantity of food, they'd have the same same weight loss. Again, a lot of different reasons why this has been successful and what sort of inspired me to do it. The biggest is just the fact that it's simple and uh, it's not expensive and, and you don't burn any bridges with it. And it's essentially side effect free other than the side effects being weight loss and better health. That's a great answer on the, um, you know, on the bariatric, uh, you know, surgery 
up front. And, uh, you know, I plan to have a, a, a one, you know, particular expert on and, and maybe a couple talking about specifically bariatric surgery, how it's evolved and how the GLP-1s, dieting, weight training, all that, you know, all falls into line as we really try to get a good sense. And, you know, I'm doing this, you know, for as much to learn myself than, than, than doing anything else. And, just really figuring out like what should patients do? So I think trying to like get this all straight as far as what are the best courses of action to take to fight the obesity crisis is great. And I think we, we got to a bunch of them, right? Fix the food. We have to do get the environments better and then think about like how do we kind of trim what people are eating and then also, you know, give them, you know, better, healthier food so that, you know, they have better, you know, metabolic function. So I think now we just get to one of the real, you know, that 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 hot topic we were talking about before, and and that's the 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 GLP ones, you know, the biggest one being, you know, Ozempic, and now Winjaro's, you know, coming, and we've got other things coming down the pipeline. So you, can you just educate, you know, our audience, what is a GLP, you know, one, and what does it do, and what are some of the results, you know, from taking those drugs? does a few different things. It helps, uh, it stimulates the body to release insulin, uh, which then uh, also de depresses or suppresses your body's uh, excretion or, or uh, release of like glycogen stores from the liver and then your soft tissues. Uh, so it, it keeps your blood glucose down. It suppresses your appetite uh, and it also slows down your gastric emptying. So, I mean, it does all the, the right things, you know, the things that you want a, a weight loss drug to do ultimately but as side effects, you know, the one study showed about 84% of people on the medications had significant side effects, not just minor side effects. And most of those are nausea, uh, some uh, constipation, vomiting, um, some uh, energy, you know, uh, lethargy and things like that. Um, uh, more severe things are can be some kidney disease or even some implications, maybe even cancer. The issue with those medications are, number one, you have to be on them potentially for a lifetime uh, once you start on them, because once you stop, you know, all those effects are gone. You need the medication then potentially for a lifetime. It costs as much as about $900 a month for these medications. And so um, they, like I said, they can work. Uh, the results show, you know, some of the studies that were pretty long studies, a lot of them did, uh, I think it was 60, 68 weeks, I think. Um, and they lost up to about 10 to even 50 percent. Um, body weight uh, during that time period. Some people uh, lost to side effects, about 20% uh, of people, you know, didn't tolerate it and lost to side effects. Uh, and then the uh, the amount of fat loss in that group, you know, tended to be anywhere from about uh, 50% to 60%. So so not bad. I mean, they're, they're, anytime you lose weight, you're going to have a, a certain amount of fat loss and, and a certain amount of lean tissue uh, loss as well. Uh, the sort of standard is that about 70, if you're going to lose weight, about 75% of that weight should be, you know, fat loss. The other 25%, again, is going to be other skeletal mass. That just happens, you know, uh, naturally. Um, so these medications have been shown to, to be effective, but have a long list of, of potential side effects. Uh, they were originally developed really for diabetes, you know, with uh, insulin control and, and uh, blood glucose control, and they have been shown to reduce the uh, hemoglobin A1C. Uh, so that's been effective at, at doing that. But again, these are things that you potentially are on for a lifetime. The optimal treatment for anything should be simple, inexpensive, and it should be very effective, and it should be applicable across a wide population. And so, uh, this one is you know relatively simple, I guess, in that you, it's a it's an injection that's given either daily or, or weekly. Uh, it certainly is not inexpensive. It's very expensive, um, 
it's effective in a majority of people. Uh, is it applicable across wide population? No. Is it preventative? No. It does nothing to help people uh, prevent obesity in the first place, you know. And so that's where I think the education part, it really is so uh, important and, and I think what's missing right now. The other question, which all these wellness things that we're doing is, you know, is it extending life? Maybe, you know, with all these these different things, but could we do a much better job of extending life by, you know, getting them metabolically healthier, you know, through diet, exercise, and, you know, and other, you know, alternative and other wellness modalities, which have been studied, you know, it's just crazy the amount of studies there are on, on all these other things, but that's not what's pushed, right? That's that's not what's pushed. But so many things are money-driven, and, and, and so... Uh, we need people to really get back to basics and get back to natural foods and whole foods and things like that, and then understanding again how to eat properly. So, um, you mentioned earlier about you know people who are just metabolically unhealthy, they're obese, they have all these other issues. Uh, one of the other you know big things is just uh, is depression. You know, is the mental health side of it too. You know, people that are depressed are not going to do well at losing weight. They're not going to do well uh, at maintaining a healthy weight. And so we really need to help people uh, with that side of it too, because it all is so intermingled. One of the things that uh, just fascinated me is, uh, you know, there's a Dr. Lustig out there and I've watched a bunch of his stuff. He's really just a, a, a pioneer in kind of the, in the world of uh, dieting and, and just uh, low sugar. And, and I watched something where he talked about the burden, you know, to the system uh, from potential use of, of GLP ones. And so again, this is, this is his stuff and I'm not, I'm not, I don't think he, um, uh, gave the exact, uh, you know, place, but this is just, uh, you know, some calculations that are out there that if everybody that's eligible currently under the system, which is 12 plus, you know, and, and, and a certain, you know, and then certain other criteria to be on the GLP ones, if everybody was on it, okay, per year, it could be up to a $2 trillion burden to the system. But on the flip side, if we were to fix people's diets and have them get within uh, the normal bounds uh, that the USDA, you know, recommends for, you know, sugar intake daily, it would save $2 trillion to the system with all the chronic health problems that we have. And so, I mean, that's a delta of $4 trillion. It's insane. So I would say that, that, that it, you know, and I think you'd agree with this. I think the GLP ones, there is a role for them for sure. I don't, I don't want to say there's no role for them, but I think that we really have to define what is the role, where are the resistant patients, who absolutely needs it, and do we use it as a bridge, right, to the next thing? Right. And I think our, our society and our medical environment leads, needs less medication overall. I mean, whether it's statins or, you know, the GLP-1 medications or whatever you can go through the list but as you mentioned you know what what is a burden to the healthcare system or a burden to overall uh the world is a boon to the pharma companies uh, is potentially a boon to to other healthcare uh, providers you know as much as we want to think that hospitals are are in it to to help people get healthy they need sick people in the doors to, to keep their doors open too. And so part of it is, is a healthcare system problem. Part of it is just a societal problem that we need to get people healthy and, and people to need to take ownership and, and, and work on themselves. You know, a lot of obesity runs in families, certainly childhood, child obesity becomes adult obesity often. And so if you can affect, 
individuals, those individuals will affect their families, hopefully, and get them healthy. And those it, those families that will, will then affect their communities and get them healthier. So uh, that's why I see this as such a, a simple way to get people uh, educated across the uh, communities and across the world uh, to really learn how to eat eat right and, and lose weight, or again, ideally even prevent obesity in the first place. We just need to think about wellness as physicians. And I think that maybe there's too much intervention going on and too much medication and too much of this and too much of that. And we ought to be, you know, thinking about these things in, in a, just a different light. I, I would say that Western medicine, and I think you agree with this, I think it's phenomenal. When you have a serious health issue, right? I want to go to the hospital down the road here. Okay. Because they're going to take care. I have a car accident and I'm in critical condition, right? I'm not going to say, you know what, man, if I had had that one more giant piece of broccoli, I'm good. It's great that we have these options. And, and again, we've, it's not that we want to necessarily put medication in a bad light. How many millions and millions of lives has, you know, the pharmacy, you know, the pharmaceutical industry saved by these amazing, you know, drugs that are out here. The problem is when you start taking them and using them for everything, what are the pressures both in the medical system and then in society at large that are making us a nation that's addicted to medicine and procedures, you know, and this and that, you know, a lot of my patients, right? They'd rather, it's, it's crazy. Some of them you know, I spend more of my time talking them out of surgery. I'm like, you do not need an operation. You don't need an operation. And they're just insisting. Right. And I'm like, but if you do X, Y, and Z, your prognosis is actually pretty good. You don't need this. Or you don't need this. Oh, you don't need. And, and, and they're just so, like, dialed into doing these things. So, again, there's a role for it. But there's so many other things out there that we can be doing and pushing that are low cost extremely effective and have massive amounts of data behind them that nobody knows about. And that's why I'm so excited about like this, this podcast and learning about all these, these different diets and like, what is like really the science behind it? Why does it work? And, and something like yours, which is so simple, I think is going to be really easy for me to counsel, you know, some of my patients. I say, Hey, why don't you try this thing? It's really easy. They like easy. It's been fascinating so far, but now it's time to really get like into the nuts and bolts of the, uh, you know, proportion uh, yeah, fit uh, diet and the plan. And so um, can you give us just a general overview of why it's so easy and what people should expect uh, when they're on the diet? So ultimately what we did is researched you know, hundreds of different foods and figured out how many calories are in a cup of food, different food items. For example, lettuce is 10 or 20 calories per cup and cheesecake is going to be 700 or so calories per cup. And so if you take that and then extrapolate out, figure out what is a general American diet, and we want to encourage people to probably take in about one-third of their cu cups as fruits and vegetables just to get that fiber uh, in there and nutrients in them. Again, may not be for the carnivore folks, which, again, they have to do a different calculation. But um, if you take that out, it averages to about 280 calories per cup. And so if you measure that out and extrapolate that out, what happens then is whatever your body weight is, if you divide by 20, you get your eat number, which means that if you're 200 pounds divide by 20, your eat number now is 10 cups. 10 cups per day is what you need to sustain uh, your current weight. So I think uh, one of the things I'm intrigued about is, you know, how how simple 
you know, it, it, it sounds. So basically each, you know, you can, you almost can measure your weight loss based on each cup that you take away. And it's just a lot more reliable than just not really knowing. Say, well, I kind of ate more today. I ate less today. And then it, it's hard to know how that's translating it, but you're translating it because people already know kind of what to expect. And you've proven that on a, on a scientific, you know, uh, on a basis. Is this something that like I can get my kit today and then tomorrow I'm on the diet and I kind of know everything I need to know? The education comes either by reading the book or we have a series of videos that are available. Uh, the video content, pretty much if you if you watch about an hour of it, you'll get the nuts and bolts of what needs to be done. There are about three or so hours of, of material available, but you can get most of it uh, in about an hour watching these videos. The book probably takes two to three hours to read, depending on how fast of a reader you are. But literally, you learn the, the concept and you get going tomorrow. You don't need to go out and buy uh, all new foods or, or do anything drastic. Uh, one of the recent uh, members that did our, our most recent study said that one of his, his sort of vices was to have a McDonald's uh, breakfast sandwich uh, pretty much every day uh, or several days a week. And, Buffett. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know if he's a health, uh, <laughs> someone to aspire to for health-wise. But, um, but this guy that did this study, he was one of our most successful subjects. And he said in the middle of it, he was still getting his breakfast sandwich. He said, any diet plan where I can still have a breakfast sandwich and, and lose weight is really a winner. And he had done Noom, he had done all these other different things and really, you know, was a testament to the fact that we really want people just to, if they can just change one thing, you know, let's keep it super simple, change one thing. And that is just actually quantify how much you're taking in by volume. You will see drastic changes. Yeah. Ideally we want to have good quantity. And so there are probably some other changes you need to make, but what we find is by quantifying or actually measuring the volume of food you're taking in, you either purposefully or inadvertently are going to just pay attention to the quality of the food you're taking in. And so if you're only allowed to take in six cups a day, eight cups a day, whatever it might be, you're going to make a little better choice and say, okay, that cup, instead of that being cheesecake now, I better, you know, make it some broccoli. I better make it a sandwich, you know, something that is just a little bit more nutrient uh, dense and a little bit healthier. Uh, and so once you start sort of paying attention to one thing, you start to, to make better changes in the other area as well. But yes, basically you, if you get the kit, you read the book, you watch the videos one day you're starting, uh, on, uh, day one, uh, you're right at it. Uh, we have, uh, an app that sort of walks people through it. And so it, it prompts you with messages for the first two months, you know, every day you get a message that sort of prompts you to do something, uh, how to stick with a the plan. There's all sorts of content on there that you read. And it just, it, it's meant to be very uh, self-guided. And in fact, the study that we did, you know, there was no, you know, coaching. Uh, they just read the book, watched the videos, did it on their own. And it was, it was as true to uh, a study in the wild as possible. Meaning, you know, just anyone that sort of picks up this kit, can they do it on their own? And, and we had such overwhelming success that we're, it, we're very excited about it. I think one of the things that is, is really interesting and difficult is uh, patients uh, with uh, being compliant, you know, with that. And I've struggled with that too, because, you know, although I didn't get hardcore into a lot of these other wellness modalities now that, that, that I'm into, you know, with my patients, one thing that I always was involved in is getting them on certain diets. And it really mirrored kind of what I was into at the time personally myself, because I could speak to it. And so, you know, we've gone down the road of the carnivore diet, you know, just full Atkins diet, the, you know, the paleo diet, which is a little bit different, South Beach diet, all these other things. But the problem is, is that I was having trouble with patients 
really keeping to it and sticking to it. My question with the proportion for diet is, do you recommend a certain amount of spacing out of the cups or it's just, it doesn't matter in what order, timing, you know, morning versus evening eating, or it doesn't matter. If you're more of a morning person, you just kind of do it more in the morning, or if you like to eat at night, just save your cups for a night. How does that work? You know, I, I recommend ideally spreading, you know, maybe two or three meals a day, uh, you know, little smacks, snacks uh, intermixed. As I mentioned, you know, I inadvertently probably do intermittent fasting. You know, I just do really, I'm not hungry in the morning. Uh, and so I don't eat till probably about noon. And then I tend to stop eating by, by 8 PM, you know, so I guess I have sort of an eight hour window that I impose upon myself, not by, uh, intention, but just by virtue of that's just how my body is and what I've gotten used to. Uh, I think intermittent fasting, whatever it is, hunger is important. Hunger is okay. Day to day, you or I, or anyone that is maintaining a healthy weight is going to be hungry and that's okay. That's when your body is, you know, mobilizing those stores, getting those toxins out, getting, you know, uh, reducing, uh, eating away your own fat. So if you are in a deficit, you're going to lose the equivalent of about two cups of fat from your own body because your body's going to metabolize and eat that fat and use that as energy. It, it gives you a visual to understand that, okay, if I lose a pound of weight, it's going to be the equivalent to about this volume of body mass that I'm going to lose. Are you going to notice that because that's, you know, spread out through your, your whole body by losing one pound? No. Will you start to notice it after 10 pounds? Probably 20 pounds for sure. You know, you start to see it. Uh, and it's just important to understand that that energy has to come from somewhere. And, and it's from those cups uh, deficit. Uh, in this case, that really helps you to, to lose the weight. So one of the inadvertent things we did is during our study, it happened to be that the Minnesota State Fair fell right in the middle of our study window. I didn't factor that in. And so as people were going to the State Fair and eating all sorts of unhealthy foods, the beauty of our concept is, you can either prepare for that day by, again, giving yourself a little bit more of a deficit going into the day so that you can allow yourself a little bit more more for that day at the fair or a couple of days at the fair, or after a day or two of maybe misbehaving at the fair, it's not as if now you've just completely sunk yourself, you've not completely sabotaged your diet plan. It's just a matter of making up for it and, and sort of making up for those bad days. And so again, that's why this is a very sustainable you know concept. One question that, that I have that people are gonna have is, when you do the cup filling, because I can just, I was looking at those cups and just saying, how would I, you know, like manage my day with those cups? I mean, can you take the food and just kind of smash it in there so that like, because I can see my, I mean, I could put a, some of this, stuff, you know, like you, some stuff that's, that's more pliable. You really can get a lot in that cup. So how do you, how do you manage that? Number one is yes. You, 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 you measure the food as if it's going in your body, you know, you know, cram it in there. Don't no cheating in that way. Uh, number two is, uh, food quantity. You mentioned cheesecake and not eating, you know, uh, all cups of cheesecake. The idea is we, we use a simple grading system. Give your food a letter grade, A, B, C, D, or F. Uh, we say there are no F foods, you know, unless it's a, a book, you shouldn't be eating uh, certain things for sure. But anything that is edible is an A through a D. And so the idea is let's try to get at least a B, you know, so if you do eat some cheesecake, which is a D, you know, that's not, good, not a great food, but offset it with salad, fruits, vegetables, chicken, whatever, uh, to offset that. So on average, you're getting about a B grade over the course of the day, over the course of weeks. And so we're not super stringent where you can't enjoy, uh, some maybe pleasurable foods on occasion. Uh, personally, I love chocolate chip cookies. Um, you know, but you need to offset that with, with better foods. So at the same time, we're not trying to be so stringent that you have to get all A's and, and be on a, a completely vegan diet or something like that. So, because again, we want to be practical. 
we want this to fit the majority of the population so people, anyone can really adopt it. We can go on and on about diets, but for me, it's about being practical, right? I see a ton of patients a week. I just need stuff that that's practical. And this is really a, you know, a, a practical thing, you know, that, that, that we can bring uh, to these, uh, to these people to just kind of help them get better, just, just be better and just experience better lives. Cause ultimately we are physicians, right? And we're here to heal. And again, I, I think just being here to heal the total person rather than just worry about like they have wrist pain or they have back pain or leg pain or whatever is going on. I, I think that that's really our, our responsibility, at, you know, as physicians, you know, to, to do a lot of these things. And so um, what I'm curious about is what's in this, uh, what's in this wonderful uh, kit. Keep in mind, I mean, to do, to do this diet, you don't necessarily even need the kit. Without even having a kit. Okay. Uh, but, you know, it comes with a book and this is that book. I imagine it takes about two or three uh uh, hours potentially to read, uh, or you can watch the videos. Uh, that's another uh, way to do it. Uh, this, the breather, this is that respiratory muscle training device I mentioned, uh, that's helpful for, uh, people to just improve their pulmonary function or respiratory function. There are actually studies that have shown just doing breathing exercise actually will help you to lose weight. And so simply, uh, you know, using this to, to improve your pulmonary health, respiratory health will help you to lose weight in and of itself, but also just improves your exercise tolerance and your overall, overall health. Um, we have this little, uh, portion, uh, kit, we call it, and these are just little containers, you know, similar to Tupperware containers, uh, where you can use these just to measure out your, your food quantities. One of the, you know, perhaps gimmicky, but I think actually is a really helpful thing is we put these little simple food bottles. These are not edible. Don't eat these. Uh, but here's a banana and we have it labeled as 0.75 cups. So this, it just helps you understand, you know, food volumes that are hard to measure. I mean, how do you measure a banana? This is about three quarters of a cup. So it helps you just to sort of visualize and understand, you know, how much uh, quantity are you dealing with? Here's a, a Apple model. Again, this is one and a quarter cups. So it helps you understand, okay, a, sort of average to large size apple is about one and a quarter cups. Here's a good old hamburger cheeseburger, or since it's plastic, it could be chicken. I'm not sure, uh, but we'll call it a hamburger. But we're calling this one and, one and three quarters cups, you know. So again, gives you an idea. And the ideal thing is to, you know, leave these on your kitchen uh, table or somewhere when you're first starting the diet, just to sort of hammer into your head, you know, these food volumes, uh, we talked about using a, a, a soda can, whatever, hopefully diet soda, uh, you know, a 12 ounce can as an e easy reference to understand, okay, 12, uh, 12 ounces is a cup and a half. I should have clarified earlier. One cup is eight ounces, uh, to make that very clear. Uh, so we have that. We also have, uh, these little, um, collapsible cups sometimes used as uh, water dishes for your dog and you can use it for whatever you want, but this is a, a cup and a half. Uh, so it, it's something you can, uh, if you're going to a movie, you know, I have some popcorn, you put some popcorn in there. Is there a lot of air in popcorn? Absolutely. Is there, are there many calories in that cup and a half in this case of, of popcorn? No, there aren't. But again, that's offset by uh, the cheesecake or the whatever else you're going to be eating during the day. And so that's why it's so important to really stick to the cups and understand that, okay, you can't, then rationalize, okay, this is only popcorn. So that means I can have more later on. No, you stick to the system. If you're going to have popcorn, you stick to, again, measuring your cups and sticking to it. Again, whether it's French fries, potato chips, or again, something healthy, healthy like broccoli, uh, you put that in there. And then we have some simple little reminder bands to wear. Uh, we have a skin fold caliper. Uh, we have a, a tape measure as well, just to measure your, your waist uh, circumference. Uh, we tell people, you know, you're looking at one of three things or all three things potentially changing when you're losing weight. It's either your weight itself, 
is going to be your uh, waist uh, circumference or your skin fold measurement. Because you might be actually, as you're losing weight, if you're really dedicating yourself to a lot of you know fitness and exercise, you might be building muscle. And so you might not actually be losing weight per se. Your right. weight might be going up. It might be staying very steady because you're building muscle, but losing fat. And so you should see your skin fold caliper measurement go down. You should see your waist circumference go down, but maybe your weight doesn't because you're building muscle. Uh, one of the things that that uh, I realized in researching this and just looking at this is, you know, why is it that you you build muscle uh, with a calorie deficit? Well, the reality is our muscle cells are about uh, 70% water. Right. And so that's inert, you know, non-calorie uh, containing, not non-energy containing uh, cellular uh, volume. And so that increases your, your weight. That's essentially just water. Whereas fat cells are only 10% water. You know, so when you lose fat, uh, you're not losing much in the way of water. And so your, your, your weight might actually stay steady or go up as you're building a lot. Right. All right. Well, thanks for that. Uh, you know, the overview on the, uh, the, the, uh, proportion, uh, kit, um, like to get into the, the studies with you. So we're, uh, I see you have all your, your study data out here and love to know kind of what you guys found and, and kind of what the basis of the study was and, 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 uh, you know, how, how exciting it is, uh, you know, to have data behind what you're, what we're talking about. Was that we uh, so we did a study basically just looking at all comers. Uh, we had uh, very loose uh, inclusion criteria anywhere from 18 to 60 year old people, male, female. The only goal was they wanted to they wanted to lose at least 30 pounds and, and they had a BMI of 29 or higher. You know, and so on average, it ended up being uh, the average age was 52. We had about two thirds female, one third male, uh, and uh, uh, average BMI I think was right at about 32 or so. So it's not. Uh, morbidly obese group by any means, you know, so, uh, but we had really good results as a, as a group, we had 27 uh, people that, uh, did the study, uh, and as a group, they lost, you know, 11.9 pounds over two months as a group. When you break that down though, we, at the end of the study, we asked people, you know, how did, how closely did you actually follow the program? Well, let's, let's be honest here. Did you follow it exactly? Did you follow it very closely? Did you follow it closely? Did you very. follow it somewhat? And so those, th those first three categories, we sort of put into the compliant group and we said, okay. For those folks, uh, how did they do? They lost 14.8 pounds in the two months versus the sort of non-compliant, the less compliant group while well, they lost about 7.7 .7 pounds. And so uh, we had really good results. We found BMI went down 2.26 uh, points in the compliant group. Uh, we found that uh, their body fat percentage went down by 2.7%. Uh, we had uh, overall 75% uh, was actually fat loss in that group, which is again, is sort of the standard uh, that you want to see with, with weight loss. We actually saw improvements uh, in the compliant group of uh, triglycerides, total cholesterol. We saw spirometry improve. We saw, we saw the triglyceride, the HDL ratio improve. Uh, we also Im implement what we call four pillar health, which is you know physical health, mental health, financial health, and spiritual health. And we saw that they reported improvements in all those categories as well. And so the compliant group uh, improved, and actually all groups improved in their physical health, reported their respiratory health. We added that to uh, mental health. Uh, financial improvement. And then one interesting uh, result was the, the compliant group reported an improvement in their spiritual health. The non-compliant uh, group said they were slightly worse off at the end of the, the study. Not sure what to make of that, but it's very interesting that we saw sort of a disparity there that the uh, the non-compliant uh, group uh, didn't didn't see or, or feel like they had an improvement there. And so, uh, uh, well, it's possible that maybe they just went so bad, but yeah. not following the program, right? right. You know, and they've been and that leads to yeah negative thoughts, right? Or it might be people that are are sort of less uh, 
inclined, you know, to sort of work on that spiritual component found that the system wasn't for them. And so that, that they became not, they're less compliant with that hard to know for sure. But, it, but we saw improvements in all parameters, uh, otherwise, and we saw, uh, good measurable, uh, data, uh, in again, not just weight loss, but also other, you know, like I mentioned, triglycerides and triglyceride HDL ratios and things like that. So really exciting to see these results it, it, simply by just educating people, teaching them how to how to lose weight and then uh, just doing the system on their own for two months. And, and, it, and it's not as if we had to coach them and, and, and meet with them every week. We didn't have to you know, implement this huge exercise program or anything like that. Uh, people just did it on their own and, and really had great, great success. Is there anything that uh, uh, the viewers uh, should know about how they can find you, uh, how they can find the program and, and how they can sign up for things? Yeah. The easiest thing to do is just to go to proportionfit.com. That's P-R-O-P-O-R-T-I-O-N-F-I-T, so proportion fit, uh, because our health is proportionate uh, to how much we take in, how intentional we are about really uh, maintaining our health. One thing I forgot to mention with this study was, you know, that weight loss, uh, it was about 7% uh, weight loss over the course of the two-month time period, and comparable studies with those epic things like that in two months was about 5%, and so we actually outperformed your GLP-1 medications at, at the two-month wow. two mark. Uh, and again, without the side effects, without the cost, things like that. So yeah, proportionfit.com will get you directed in the right way, uh, right direction. The app is just called the Proportion Fit Eat Number app. Uh, so if you look up Proportion Fit Eat Number on Apple or Android, uh, you'll find it there. And it's a, it's a free app. The only thing you have to potentially pay for is the kit or the video series or the book. You know, just to learn the the material. Like I said, at, at worst, you'll spend one hundred twenty dollars, uh, and uh, and that's not bad at all. Especially, uh, we teach you how the fact that once you lose weight, you're going to save that money uh, within probably the first month, anyways. And so you actually get technically get your money back probably within the first month. Well, I would say you know for so many of these you know people that have just just they're metabolically unwell, they obesity, all these other things. You know, we always say you just got to start somewhere. And what it, it it couldn't be easier to start with with a system like like this because you just you just start you just put the food in your cups and right. you cut it down as you know as needed. I'm not again easy, in a, it, you know I I would say simple but not easy. Right, right. I should say right. simple but but not easy. So it, you know it's a great way to get that uh, you know to get that going. Thank you for coming on today. And hopefully, like we talked about before we started, love to have you on for a live question and answer uh, session, maybe sometime late spring, early summer, where people can just call in and ask questions, maybe about the diet or about anything, you know, related to obesity or dieting or, or any other questions they may have. They might sneak a question in about a wrist or a hand or something like that, which is okay, too. That's, That's fine. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you giving me a chance to talk uh, and, and spread the word, you know, because I think this is like I said, sort of that viral thing we want people to understand, uh, learn. And keep in mind, too, you don't have to, everything you eat doesn't have to get crammed into a cup necessarily. You learn uh, the concept. And so, you know, when I wrote the book, I said the pen is mightier than the fork. You need to sort of get the information out there so that the fork doesn't end up uh, going to your mouth as often. And you learn how you can really control that volume of food, lose weight, maintain a healthy weight, or prevent obesity in the first place. And so I think uh, I appreciate what you're doing, trying to get people better, uh, keep people healthy, and just wellness is such an important thing. And I think the more we educate people and, and have them understand that it's really more in their control than they realize, you shouldn't be relying on your doctor, you shouldn't be relying on medications, rely on yourself, educate yourself, and then implement these plans to be as healthy as possible. I think that's really the way to go. 
Well, whoever would have thought two orthopedic surgeons sitting down talking about dieting, wellness, and uh, and health. It's uh, not something I envisioned, you know, when I started 18 years ago or and uh, very exciting stuff. So thanks for coming on. And uh, I'm really hoping to see some great success with my uh, with my patients.